0: You guys can sit down or you can stand up, but it'd be a little awkward. I'm already off script. We, we just sat and raised our hands. Lots of emotion was stirred. Lots of affection was stirred in our heart. And, and we sang this song, you make me brave. And so something wells up inside of us something exciting, because we all long for bravery. It's deep down inside. Something was welling inside of you, but my question is sitting as you sit there, and even more so, because this is a safe place, because if anything came and attacked us here, we've got, we got power in numbers. But when you walk out into the parking lot, is the level of bravery you feel in here the same level of bravery you feel out there? Because whatever's giving you the courage to be brave... If it's something different in here than out there, you'll be able to quickly tell because you won't feel as brave. So what's great is we're gonna talk about that today. I had no idea what they were gonna sing. Uh, Today's the first time in the history of Bayou City Fellowship that we have a family worship service. That means every single kiddo, I brought toys. I'm gonna throw them at you if they get too rowdy. It's the first time uh, in the history of Bayou City Fellowship that we have a family worship service and our pastor's not here because he wanted someone else to try it. <laughs> this means every single kiddo in attendance is in this room. There, there might be 50 to 100. I don't know how many. There's a lot. And some of you are confident this is going to go well. <laughs> some of you are about as afraid of the next hour as if you were holding a grenade in your hand and there's no pen in sight. Uh, literally any second, one of your child might lose their mind. And uh, if that happens, I want you to feel free to do one of three things. One, uh, do what my mother would do. Um, I'm the oldest of eight children, and uh, I'm quite confident. I- I'm-, I'm actually really confident. She had the ability to miraculously extend her arm 13 and a half feet in the middle of a service. Because with a huge smile and her, her gaze firmly stared up at the pastor, she had the ability to extend it all the way out and slap me in the back of the head as hard as she could where snot would fly out of my nostrils. And at the same time, worship the Lord with the other hand. So you pray for a miracle to happen if your children are not in line. That's one. You can do that. And the second thing you can do is I would encourage you to sit there and just helplessly cry with them. And then... And then the uh, third thing you can do is <laughs> you can just get up and quietly walk out, at which time the entirely room, our entire room will relentlessly mock you. Um, I'm kidding. Um, it is the first time we've done this uh, because it's New Year's Day and the attendance is typically light. One service instead of two. So uh, my prayer coming today is whether you're two or 22 or 72, that God would do something today. And so uh, just spend the next 10 seconds. I uh, just. Maybe keep one eye open if you have kids with you, but just cl- close your eyes and pray for your own heart that God would speak to you today, not anybody else that He'd speak to you. Um, my name is Les Stretch. I serve uh, as for a season as one of the ten elders here by City Fellowship between the two campuses, and uh, our senior pastor Curtis uh, today is actually his birthday, and uh, he's on his way drive back from Missouri. Um, Uh, with this family. And so I'd have you guys go ahead and turn to Matthew 11 uh, as we gather around God's word. I I wanna start today with a question that tees up with the song that we just sung. I wanna start today with a question, and my question is this, is as you sit where you are, is your burden easy and is your yoke light? As, as you sit where you are, uh, is your burden easy and is your yoke light? This is a picture uh, of a yoke on the screen. It's a yoke, is a, a wooden cross piece fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or a cart that they're pulling. The, plow is, uh, the yoke is used to lock them together to get the two animals or two things to walk in alignment pulling in the same direction, and we'll see today that we are all, and hear what I say, we are all yoked to something. So we're all yoked to something. You see, uh, for the first 20 verses, for the first 20 verses of Matthew 11, we see Jesus, he's talking about John the Baptist. For the first 20 verses, I would encourage you to read them after this, but Jesus stands and it says that he begins to teach and preach, and as he begins to teach and preach, uh, he speaks real firmly to the audience. This picture we have sometime of Jesus is Jesus, Jesus, meek and mild. He speaks, go read Matthew 11, those first 20 verses and see, try to read it with a tone of meek and mild. It doesn't make sense. And, and what he says is, he says, uh, he says, you guys have missed it. To so the audience, he says, you've missed it. He said, I've done signs and wonders in plain sight demonstrating my divinity and you've totally missed it. And Jesus goes so far uh, to say that if these same signs that I've been doing in front of you would have been done in front of the people of Sodom, that, and for those of you who don't know, Sodom is a city that was like that time Las Vegas and that was brought down with m- flaming balls of brimstone and fire. Uh, that city, if these signs would have been done in front of them, that city would have been saved. He says you think you're wise because your reasoning and your wisdom and, and that's not, you've missed it, you're wrong. He then turns and, he then turns and he prays for him. I don't know about you guys, but after I get if you, I don't often reach back and say, let us pray and then pray for the audience. But Jesus does. And what we see modeled there is he turns and he prays for them and he prays that their hearts would be soft and come to him and come to God just like a child. And then, he he says what's one of become uh, my favorite passages in scripture, and the reason why is because this is not what I do, this is not what I think God asks of me. This is not the invitation that for so long I walked in in my faith, but this is the invitation. So if you guys would read with me, it says, "Come to me, come come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened." As you sit where you are now under the sound of my voice, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and uh, I'll give you rest. All of you take my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's there's a a translation of, of this passage. Uh, there's, a, there's a translation of the Bible that's referred to as the message. I would, I would encourage you, I, I think of it more of as an interpretation of the Bible. The, uh, Eugene Peterson and a think tank of people got together and created this translation uh, called uh, the message that I like to call an interpretation of the Bible. But the reason why is there's often times that they sub out the word spirit for God. And I, I like a full picture of the Trinity. I believe that's evident in scripture. And so, but what I love, what I love, what I absolutely love is Eugene Peterson's message translation of Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 through 30. And I want you to sit there and just hear, this is Jesus speaking to you and speaking to me. And he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. <laughs> I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that's why I go back to the question that I ask: is, as you're here today, do you feel a yoke that is easy and a burden that's light? That's, that's the offer. That's the way it was designed to be. And as a Christian, as a Christ follower, when you're yoked to Jesus, light burden, easy yoke, Would you say that this is a picture of the normal rhythm of Christ followers' lives? Would you say this is the normal rhythm of your life? If this is the offer, then why are so few feeling this way? The only way for us to really understand this invitation is by starting with the reason that we were created. If you and I were hanging out on your couch and it was just you and me and we were sitting there because in a room like this, we have a tendency to answer the question because we kind of know what we're supposed to say. If you were just sitting on your couch in your living room and I asked you why you believe you were created, how would you answer me? How would you answer that question? Stop and think why were you created, but I'd ask you not to be the Bible answer man. What would you say the purpose you were created? Uh, I call it my first life. Uh, right out of Baylor University, I went to work making uh, clothing for men, high-end custom suits, meeting them in their office. They hate to shop, so we'd go there. A large majority of my clients, this is way past, like a decade ago, uh, really old. <laughs> a lot of my attor- uh, clients were attorneys. There's a man named Jason, fifth-year associate, fast track towards partner, And as I'm sitting with him across from him, uh, it's right towards the beginning of this new year. And I look over his shoulder, like right here behind his wall, and there's this picture. There's a drawing on the wall right behind him. And on this drawing on the wall right behind him, there's uh, two little stick figures and one in the middle. And the one in the middle has a triangle, so I'm assuming that's a woman because she has yellow hair, right? Not blonde. It's yellow hair. And then on the same picture, there's some trees in the middle. And then on the left side of the picture... On the left side of the picture is a man because he's all he has is, well, he has a stick feet. And um, he's standing between two buildings. And I I made comment, um, it's prominently displayed, it's the only thing on the wall. And I said, hey, is that a picture of your kids trying to make conversation pleasantries to start? And he turns around and looks, and this is the look that I get. And he begins to weep. I was a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't know him all that well. But at the same time, like I'm all in the middle of that. Like I see broken hearted. I wanna bind it up. I wanna help. I wanna get in the middle of that. And as I look at him, turned away, highly effective, all kinds of praise in the marketplace. I see this man turned back with me. He had a little bit of a reddish hair. He turns back to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, uh, my son had to draw this last week at school a picture of his family. And this is the picture that he gave me. He said, I've been telling him, I asked him why he drew our family like this. And he said, because, and his son had a big smile. He says, Daddy, you go to work and provide for our family every day. That's what you do. But in his son's mind, that's the picture of what family looked like. You see, uh, his life would show that his purpose, the reason he was created was to build a book of clients, build hours and serve his clients. Those are not inherently bad things at all. In fact, we are created to go and pursue excellence in anything that we lay our hand to in Jesus's name. He yoked himself to providing, he yoked himself to providing for his family originally and it turned into a blind pursuit of becoming a partner and by it, it's not why he was created and deep down inside he knew it. And what I was left with was a pile of a man that the world would say was successful but in a quiet place as we sat there on his couch, me and him, he said, this is where I'm at and I'm totally lost. Because all I know is this is what I want because it's what I'm yoked to. So I ask you, is your burden heavy and is your yoke light today? Paul told the Romans then and he tells Jason and you and me now, he says, for although they knew God, they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise They became fools, and how did they become foolish? Because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. They traded the glory of the immortal God for idols and images, and they yoked themselves to those images and those pursuits. And so maybe today, you sit here, and your life looks like you're yoked to service. It's your why. It's noble. Maybe you... Life looks like you're yoked to beauty. I mean, you crush it in the gym, you weigh and measure your food, you secretly meet with a doctor for dermabrasion appointments, and somehow you're 72 and have zero wrinkles on your face. Maybe that's what you're yoked to. Maybe your life looks like you're yoked to the perfect picture of the perfect family, and your anger rages when anyone sees the broken picture of your perfect family. That's the first sign that you're yoked to that, right? Right? When anger's responding, rather than saying, hey, we gotta get in the middle of that and work it out because I'm more concerned about the outside because I'm yoked to it, it's my identity. It's where I find my worth. Maybe your yoke is to the pursuit of adventure and every weekend uh, you smother yourself in Wyoming moose urine and and go take on the outback of everywhere that you go. That's what you do every single week. That actually is uh, what hunters attempt. I would know, I don't ever go, but that's what I hear. Maybe you're yoked to be in the life of the party and you slay or whatever, hey. And uh, and and you want your name, it bothers you when your name's not at the center of everything, when it's not the attention of others. It bothers you because you're yoked to being the life of the party, or maybe you're yoked to success. You crave it. You wake up in the morning, you think about how to win, how to win, how to crush it. You have a goal, It's I'm gonna win $100 million, and you blaze. You go to bed, you wake up, and you wake up with the weight of that on your shoulders because you're yoked to, in some level of success, like my friend Jason. Maybe you're even yoked to doing, you yoked yourself to doing work that changes the world. Good things. And here's the tricky one for a long time for me. Uh, uh, maybe you're yoked to being just a good example. It's not inherently bad. Mature pursuit, and that leads to a weary and weary and tired place. Trying to be on all the time for everybody. Many of those things are terrible aspirations. See, sleigh, and Wyoming, urine moose. Many of them are good aspirations. Some of them are great aspirations, but every one of them will leave you weary over time. Every one of them will leave you burdened, and not one of them are the reason you were created. So the question is, why were you created? Hey, Mike, will you come up here, son? This is a Rubik's cube. This is a Rubik's cube in perfect form, this is how every Rubik's Cube arrived. This is the intended desire of every single Rubik's Cube that's ever been created in the history of mankind. Um, uh, this is my son, Micah. He's uh stud. Thank you for your volunteering. It's family church. so We've tried to figure out a way to include family in this. Um, uh, Micah, does the Rubik's Cube want to look like this? Yeah, it really does want to look like this. And see, Mike and I, we both feel a deep-rooted belief that this Rubik's Cube uh, longs, this one. Which one do you want? Okay. Let me see it real quick. Do you want to do mine? We, we both long to order our Rubik's Cubes in a way that looks just like that. What's funny is all of them look similar, but not the exact same. But at the end of the day, everyone desires to look just like that, and it was created to look just like that. So we're gonna see who wants it the most. I really have the desire to get it there very quickly, and so does Micah. And so uh, we will see who wants this the most, who feels. I feel a deep, yearning desire to crush you right now, Micah. And so, um, because in life, you will get crushed sometimes, son. It's family church, and we wanna tell the truth in church, son. So in the midst of all these people, I want you to feel The weight of what we will participate in. Who thinks Micah's gonna win? Y'all, y'all, y'all are ridiculous. Who thinks I'm? Who thinks I'm gonna win? That's some. That's some bull. That is some bull. You ready? On your mark. Get set. Go. This y'all are ridiculous. I'm gonna pack it up. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's a bad example. Yeah, you're a brave warrior. I'm proud of you, buddy. Uh, perfection is available. This broken state. It requires a feeling, a desire to return to its perfect state, but it also requires action and study and learning. Mike has probably watched a YouTube video on the algorithm you have to learn to use this at least 100 plus times. And he sat and paused and rewind and paused and rewind and paused and rewind. And he can do it in like 35 seconds, no matter how you give it to him. That time was like a minute and a half. It's a little bit of pressure, I'm sure. (laughs) So it's the desire right? The longing, the feeling. And as we come here today, we all come here with a desire and the feeling and the want to. But what's funny is, as we see out in society, right? The Bible says that as we follow Christ on a consistent basis, our life will look like a city on a hill, separate and different. And what happens is we're born into this world and everyone is like this, right? Pursuing perfection in the garden, what we were created for. Somewhere along the way, no matter how much we desire, at some point there's action that we take. It's not just wanting and feeling a desire to obey, it's obeying. There's tremendous joy in obedience because that's what we were created for, to walk fully, wholly, intimately with our creator, becoming more and more like him every single day, knowing full well that we'll never achieve that. But we do it because what we know is that's what we were created for and that's where joy is found. And the world doesn't preach that message. You see, me and every human being were created to look like this. Hold up. When the first chapter of the Bible says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What exactly is the point? What's the point of making an image? The point of an image is to imitate, to be in likeness. Images are erected to display the original, Images are erected to display the original, to point to the original, to glorify the original. God made humans in his image so that the world would be filled with reflectors of God, images of God, seven billion. This is what it was intended seven billion statues of God walking in intimacy so that nobody would miss the point of creation. Unless you were stone blind. But here's the cool thing not only humans, also nature. Uh, Why such a breathtaking world for us to live in? Why such a vast universe for God to create? Why did he do that? I read the other day, I can't verify that there are more stars in the universe than there are words and sounds that all humans of all time have ever spoken. Why did he do that? Psalm 19.1 says, if someone asks, if earth is the only inhabited planet and man the only rational inhabitant um, among the stars, why such a large and empty universe? There's one reason that God did that you know what the answer is? It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. And that's an understatement. God created us to know him and love him and show him. And in return, we find the greatest joy. And then we gave us a hint of what it looks like when he made the universe Uh, Paul put it this way in Romans 1. He said, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. We have no excuse because we see it when we stop and look, when we think, I don't feel light. I don't feel, I feel heavy. I feel, it's not, that's not the offer. That's not the invitation. We've accepted a different invitation. The great tragedy of the universe is that while human beings were made to glorify God, we daily fall short of the purpose, and we exchange, like I said earlier, the glory of the immortal God for images resembling man, especially the man we see in the mirror every morning. We long for the joy of that person, and in the midst of that, we yoke up a big old heavy burden to go make it happen. So I ask the question again, why did God create the universe for you and me? And here's the thing, I'm gonna read Resounding through the whole Bible, from eternity to eternity, like rolling thunder, is... God created the world for his glory. And it's when we daily walk in this with our thoughts and with our steps that we feel a yoke that is easy and a burden is light. We were created for worship. So if we were created for worship as we wrap up, if we were created to worship God, how do we do it? Because everybody that's in here is trying, and not many people raise their hand and say, Yeah, this is a normal routine for me to walk with a yoke that's easy and a burden is light. That's what I do. So if we know that's what's expected, and the way we do that is we were created for worship. The question is, why, why are many of us, maybe we don't know what it looks like. The way we worship God is by understanding the radical invitation to walk in fellowship with him. You see, we were created to accept the invitation, that invitation, the invitation to come who are weary and burdened is radical because it's not what we expected. So here's what we expect. What we expect is something similar to what the scribe in Mark 12 asked Jesus about. In those times, scribes would spend time learning all of the commandments and then they would order all of the commandments and what they thought were most important. So he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I already know I have all the commandments ordered. What I'm asking you is what's the most important one because I already know. He said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. He asked Jesus the greatest. Seems what you and I too often believe is the invitation of Jesus is to wake up and give it our all. We believe we have to serve better, give better, love better, do more, have more patience. And I don't know about you, but if I focus on all those things, I feel burdened and heavy. I feel burdened and heavy when I'm trying to do those things every single day. There's a weight that I'm picking up because I'm in the midst of that. I have to do all of that all the time perfectly right. And what ends up happening? We disengage. It's too heavy. So because of it, it's impossible. It, hear what I said. It's impossible to do that without him. It's a yoke of a life of perfection that you're, me, we're pulling alone. It was never intended to be that way. So guess what? He made a way. He, he made a way. He sent Jesus. God sent Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man comes to God except through him. He's perfect, and guess what? He didn't die and say, hey, look what I did for you. He, he offered to walk with us and carry our burden for us. crazy that's crazy he needs nothing and yet he comes back and says hey right here light burden yoke up walk in daily with me first john says a different way to one through six but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with father god it's jesus christ we have an advocate before god on our behalf and it says in verse two he's the propitiation for our sins so if you've lost everything, hear this. He's the propitiation for our sins. So when we look at him and say, hey dad, I wanna walk with you, I wanna be yoked with you, what ends up happening is he's the propitiation for our sins, what happens is we look up and when God sees us, he sees Jesus. He sees, he sees Jesus as your substitute, right? He's the propitiation, he was put in place of you. So he made a way, so as we sit here and try all yoking up all of these good actions and serve more and do more, there's no light Yoke, there's no easy burden. What it feels like is heavy. So my question to you, are you asking yourself consistently, Lord, what I desire is to walk in intimacy with you daily because what you promised me was a light and easy yoke and I would have you go home and start praying. Lord, what does it look like for me to walk with you daily? I wanna feel a light burden, an easy yoke. I wanna walk hand in hand with you. I wanna trust you more. But the thing is, it doesn't make sense to us in our head because it doesn't require anything of us. The invitation for us is to be yoked, hear this, the invitation is to be yoked to the most fearless leader that's ever walked the planet. The most fearless leader that's ever walked the planet, that's the invitation of who to be yoked to. You think William Wallace was awesome? You're yoked to the most fearless leader in the history of the planet. And some of us aren't yoked to Jesus willingly because we have an inaccurate view of who he is. We have an inaccurate view of the power that's available to us through him to accomplish things that you can't even imagine in his name, for his purpose, for his glory. Not for our own name to be elevated. I'll wrap up with this. The invitation is to be yoked to someone that will leave you fearless to obey God and take new adventures and live new risks. And the invitation is to come learn from him how to view your children, right? So as our first family service. I don't know about you, but there are days, you guys pray for me, I know you're not like this, but there are days where I don't look at them as arrows in the hand of me as a warrior. I look at them at baseball sometimes. They're in the room, so I have to be careful, right? When they're not being radically obedient, my heart starts to well up and say, that's ridiculous. One, because you should obey, and two, you might be making me look bad. But when I look up at God and say, hey, what do you, I want to know like you do, right? He says, come walk with me, spend time with me, learn my ways. That's the invitation that's available. As you walk with me, learn my ways, learn the way that I think about you and your children. What happens is, is we start saying, I can do it, God, right? Yes, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. And we start looking and saying, this child wasn't created. This child wasn't given to me to sit in the quiver for the rest of his life and live a small and protected life. This child was created, given to me, blessed for whatever amount of time they stay under your roof to be drawn out, sharpened, refined, and launched. Give me that view, God, of the children that are in my home. If you aren't waking up thinking those things, your mind's not gonna get there without a little help because we look at our circumstances and say, this is it. So the reason we get to a place where we don't walk with a light and easy burden, the reason we get there is we wake up and we look at all the circumstances around us and all the reasons that we can't. And the invitation that's available is, hey, come spend time with me. This is what we want. This is a phenomenal drawing. I spent a lot of time preparing it for all of you. Why are y'all laughing at me all the time? This whole sermon. i this, this is what's available, right? It's terrible. What, what we want by our nature, our flesh-bound nature, what we want is we wanna know everything that's gonna happen, and then we'll follow God, right? We want a funnel. We don't want a corkscrew. What, what we want is we want a funnel. We wanna say, I wanna have my 401k in place, my kid's uh, retirement, or my retirement, my kid's college is paid for. I wanna have a hard-tracked, uh, actually, we wanna go on mission trips, too, so we wanna get those organized, and I need to start saving some from that. We want visibility of everything that's gonna happen in our life, and once we get this, that's what we get. Guess what? This life right here, that's not worth be able in following Jesus because it requires no faith. It requires no faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what we desire is to look like this and all of those things are not bad. 401Ks aren't, y'all are gonna, I'm gonna get emails after this is over. 401Ks aren't bad, retirement's not bad. Uh, Wanting good things for your kids are not bad. Having nice things are not bad. None of those things are bad. But if the desire of your heart is to have visibility of everything that's gonna happen to you, it requires no faith of you. So the longing of your heart is not because you don't know him and what he wants to give you. Because what's available, the invitation that's available to walk freely and lightly is to live a life where you have no idea what's gonna happen, but you're yoked to the most fearless leader in the history of mankind. So when you approach something that you can't see around, you see no way out of because what you're not promised is easy circumstances. So about 10 years ago, I was was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and I had to take medicine every single day. Not many people in our life know that. It's not fun. The doctors say I'll have it forever and ever. My insides are attacking themselves forever and ever. And I take medicine every single morning. I'm reminded of my illness. But you know what? We serve a creator that knows me, he loves me, and for whatever reason, he's working out something. In my faith, it couldn't have been worked out otherwise. And so if I don't go to a place, hey, Dad, this is really tough on me, but I, I'm gonna give it back to you because I know you're doing working out something in my character and in my faith. What's available to us right now as we sit here is the life. If you're looking for this, you're in the wrong building. What's available to us today is as we approach things just like we always do and we can't see around the corner, God's like, follow me, walk with me, spend time with me, know my ways. And you're like, perfect. I will. What's around the corner? It's not for you to know. That doesn't require any faith. Walk with me. Follow me around the corner. I will. How long do I have to go that around that corner before you tell me what's around it, where I can see anything? Less son, that's not what's available for you. I want you to trust me. I'm a good father, and I have a light yoke for you, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Okay, Dad? I'll follow. And what happens is we keep walking, and it gets really rough, and it gets really rough, and you're like, you're still with me, Dad. You're still with me, Dad. You're still with me, Dad. I'm there. And our confidence gets built up. And we get more deeply rooted and we look like a tree planted by streams of living water. And we approach another one and you go, I've been through this before. Watch, God, I know you'll never leave me and forsake me. I want every adventure you'll lay out in front of me. And I'll wrap up with this. Since my wife and I first got married, they said, if you can make it through the first year of marriage, you can make it through anything. We got to the end of the first year of marriage and we thought, well, that was hard. It wasn't really, it was really easy. That was hard. But if that was the worst we have to face, we're gonna have a great life together. Then somebody else continued to say, this is what society says, if we can make it through the first seven years. We're like, God, that seven years is forever. We made it seven years and keep on chugging. Then we had kids. And they said, ah, if you can make it through the first six months, you can make it through anything. They scream, they yell, they cry, they poop. They, it's, everything, it's terrible. Your life's, you're not gonna get any sleep. We're going, man, we need to stop. Hang, we're hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> and then it got to be, if you made it through the first year, I mean, watch out, the terrible twos are coming. And so finally, Emily and I were like, we're not, we want to start, What God, what do you have to say about this blessing that you gave us? Because we want to think like you do. We want to walk, hey, dad, we want to think like you do. It's an arrow. Well, the, the impending one that we have is just wait till they become a teenager. And we're dead on in the middle of it. And what's been happening is my sweet uh, daughter, is she's becoming a woman and I love it and it's amazing to watch, but there's this uh, uh, coming into their own and forming their own opinion and stiff-arming and uh, it's this process that we have all gone through, but I'm seeing it. And the enemy would come in and say, here it goes, just like everyone said, and we say, no, get behind me, Satan, no. Lord, what would you have to say to me? What does it look like? And so what does it look like? It looks like living adventures running after your daughter's hearts, running after their hearts. Because at the end, I don't know the outcome. None of us are promised the outcome, right? And anything that we lay our hands to, we just have to trust the Lord. And I wanna be able to, at the end of 18 years, look back and say, I gave it my very best. That's all we can do. And then trust God to do everything else on the backside. So for those of you with adult children, it's never too late. Start running after their heart right now. Your children's 46 and you've never talked to them in 10 years, call them right now when you leave because that's what's brave and God desires that pick it up and call them on the way home. You'll feel more alive, you'll feel more alive in that moment than you felt in a very long time because you were created to live adventures and you were created to fight battles. We're we're fighting the wrong battles and living the wrong adventures because we're yoked to the wrong thing. We're gonna wrap up and pray. I'm so encouraged by you guys. I'm thankful to see what God's done in our church. And my encouragement to you is as you leave today, Lord, do I feel easy? Yo, do I feel a light burden? And it's not a constant, it's not a feel, it's hearing and obeying and trusting God that His ways are better than anything that's available in this world. Yes. Father, we come before You. Hearts alive, soil tilled, sitting here as a family. How do we even begin to express? our gratitude to you for what you've done for us, but we are excited. We wanna walk this year as we enter into different, we wanna think differently about the invitation that's been made to us. We've believed the lie that the invitation is that if we do enough, if we, and, and we'd been in church long enough to know this isn't the invitation, but what we do, the world is saying, you've got to do, you've gotta take action. There's no rest that we've been sitting in. God, it's heavy. The burden on our shoulders has become heavy. Lord, we lay it down at your feet today. We've exchanged the glory of you in the pursuit of that, knowing what we were created for, we've exchanged it for a lie. Images of mortal man. God, give us a vision of what it looks like to walk daily with you. Give us the courage to co-learn what your character is and your affection towards us that when we could offer you nothing, you gave us your best so that we can love people in ways where we don't get tired. We can serve people in ways where we don't get tired. We can give in ways that the world would say, that is crazy, you need that money. Move Jesus, change hearts, change lives for your glory, not for our convenience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, we're going to enter into a a time of prayer, uh, entering into this new year. Uh, I want to hope you guys intercede with you.